today on CityCast Denver. The race for mayor is in full swing, and we're still trying to figure out who some of these people are. Then, did the Archdiocese of Denver fire a Catholic school teacher because she's gay? Plus, we talk Duffy Roll's empire building, what happens when tax incentives go wrong, and producer Paul Caroli's got some unique insight on the Broncos' new head coach. Today is Tuesday, February 7th, 2023. I'm Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. Hi, Paul. Good morning, Bree. Uh, we're going to talk about some stories that caught our eye recently. But before we get to that, I just have like a little bit of news. <laughs> I'm so excited. You said you had a surprise for me. I'm dying to hear what I it do. is. Uh, so I have a friend that is working, that may or may not be working on the inside of Casa Bonita. Um, he may or may not be an electrician or a contractor or a plumber. May I don't or know. may not. Could be anyone. He sent me a text recently that just said, I'm in the beautiful house. Okay. And I was like, get me some Casa Bonita intel. So he sent me a, he may or may not have sent me a photo um, that's very covertly taken, obviously, of sort of the mm-hmm. main, the main area when you walk in, you can, or it's, it looks like it's maybe he's behind the waterfall, but it's like looking down. I don't know. It's hard to describe, but I will tell you the photo that I saw, they were not lying. They improved everything. We improved everything change nothing i think how i don't give me a detail i don't know paul but like i even looked at the ceiling tiles and it looks the same it's like you know the ceiling tiles were always like that crappy like drop ceiling office mm-hmm. stuff that was painted black it looks the same did they like is it shinier is it like glossier the, the photo's kind of grainy but it does look better like i don't know how to describe it it's like looking at it how it must have looked when it first opened God, like not all me. crusty i know i want to get in there I know, I know, but I just wanted to reassure <laughs> listeners that I think that they were telling the truth. I think they've improved everything and changed nothing. So I think we should be, I'm super hopeful. I'm feeling good. I think it's going to be good. Again, it's February. We're looking at less than a few months. May, we'll know more, but I'll just, I just want everybody's fears to be put to rest. I think we're good. My fears are not put to rest, Bree. <laughs> I am not reassured. <laughs> I don't I trust these you. anonymous insider sources. You can't. I mean, you basically have to sign an NDA to work there. I can't bust somebody, you know. So, anyway, so that that was my big news. Um, but I guess the other big news is, of course, we've got to talk about the mayor's race. It is heating up. Of course. It, I mean, <laughs> I feel like it's all we want to talk about. But there's some some interesting stuff. We've got to look at. We've got fundraising numbers have come in. Paul, what do we know so far? Well, first, I want to talk about the interviews that ran over the weekend. We put out our first yes. two mayoral interviews, one with uh, Leslie Harrod and one with Renata Behrens, the previously mysterious and now, at least I feel like I know her quite well, dark horse candidate for mayor. You tracked her down at her uh, retirement community, Windsor Gardens, which no one has done thus far, so... We've got the exclusive with mm-hmm. Renata Barons, and we also have uh, the interview with Representative Leslie Harrod. You should check your feed. If you don't check it over the weekend, we're running these special episodes every weekend leading up to the election so you can get to know every single candidate. They both had very interesting takes on Caspanita, I thought. That's <laughs> what I would tease specifically. We asked both of them about CB. Very different. Both good. I have to say, too, 
Leslie Harrod's been a candidate that's been covered quite a bit already, obviously, but she will have an answer in there for you that you were not expecting, which I loved. I was I was surprised and excited by her thoughts on Casa Bonita. So same, same. Uh, but let's talk. Let's talk money. Let's talk numbers. Yes. Who who's raising the most? What's going on with fundraising right now? Yeah. So we got another round of fundraising data in, and it looks like. I mean, it looks like a few candidates are really pulling away. Um, and so they're getting these are this money is coming from different sources. Some of it's being matched by the city through the fair elections fund. Some of it is campaign contributions. Um, right now, the one person who is far and ahead uh, by a really a long way, hundreds of thousands of dollars is Kelly Bruff, the former Chamber of Commerce uh, president and CEO. She's raised almost $850,000. Um, wow. Some of those are contributions. Some of that is fair election fund money. Um, after her, it's it's Leslie Harrod, who's got $576,000 in her war chest now. Third right now is Andy Rougeau, the uh, Sephora heir we talked about on Friday, who is seems to be mostly self-funding his campaign. Yeah, at uh, over $500,000. But just looking at this chart, it is, yeah, pretty much all him. Yeah, all Funding one himself. color, all one color, not participating in the fair elections fund. Um, we'll talk about him more in a sec. But after him, we got Mike Johnston, the former state senator, former uh, candidate for senator, um, who put out that bold plan to, he says he's going to end homelessness in his first term. That's right. I definitely want to ask him about that um, when we have him on. And then finally, rounding out the top five, Debbie Ortega, longtime city council person. Cool. I think it's pretty well known. Yeah, I, I've said this before, but I think she's got the most municipal government experience, which is why people probably know her. She's been a city council member for a long time. Um, she's at large currently. She's her she's term limited. So this would be a logical next step to me um, in her career. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, these are good indicators. They're, they don't tell the whole story. That's no. certainly clear. I mean, there's not a lot of polling. There's certainly not a lot of good, like unbiased polling. Debbie Ortega's campaign, for example, she put out a poll last week that showed her leading the pack um, in terms of like how people think they're going to vote. But that kind of stuff is like really hard on the local level, I think. I, I haven't seen anything I would trust and like say like this is the one to look at. I agree, Paul, because I think most voters are not thinking about it yet. Like, let's be realistic. Yeah. It's only February. I think once we get into once, honestly, once ballots go out, I think we're going to see we're going to know a lot more because that's when mm -hmm. people are really thinking about it. For sure. For sure. But over the weekend, uh, our good friend Kyle Clark did a little investigating and fact checking on Andy Rougeau. He's the only, quote, Republican candidate running for mayor. And Kyle found some real discrepancies in his claims about what other candidates are doing in this race. Sure. Yeah. So uh, Kyle Clark and Marissa Solomon from Nine News, they recently combed through an interview that Rougeau did with George Brockler on KNUS, and they found seven statements ranging from, quote, obvious falsehoods about other candidates in the race to instances where he appeared genuinely confused about city issues and policies. Um, so they really went through this with a fine tooth comb. Apparently, he falsely claimed that he's the only candidate with actual business experience. <laughs> <laughs> when one of the other candidates is the, or at least on leave from, but is the, you know, the CEO of Tattered Cover right now, Kwame Spearman. Uh, Kelly Bruff ran the Metro Chamber of Commerce, like the person that oversees how business runs here. But yes. Um, Rougeau also falsely said, according to Nine News, that all the other candidates are all sort of career politicians. Our interview with Renata Behrens from this weekend, of course, would 
offer some evidence to the contrary there. Yeah. She's anything but a career politician. And then here's another one that I, I thought was worth mentioning. Rougeau falsely blamed Denver's pedestrian deaths, which we talked about last week with uh, Joanne Allen on, on Friday. He falsely blamed Denver's pedestrian deaths on jaywalking by people experiencing homelessness. Um, quoting from Nine News, he says, uh, we're having a spike of pedestrian deaths, mostly caused by homeless individuals cutting across busy streets. And so we do have the data on this. This is from Nine News in their debunking. They said that the medical examiner's statistics show that most pedestrians killed in 2022 weren't homeless. The same is true for 2021 and 2020, according to the office's statistics. I, I, can I just point out how insulting this is on multiple levels? One, it's insulting Please. because he is implying that folks experiencing homelessness are a danger to cars, which is not true. Um, and two, he's he's overlooking this conversation we had last week about Vision Zero, about, I mean, this story about ghost bikes when someone is hit on their bicycle and killed by a driver the, often the community puts up a white bicycle as a commemoration and those bikes are being hit by drivers. So he's not only just talking out of his side of his mouth about people experiencing homelessness. He's dismissing hmm. this larger issue that we have with drivers injuring and killing pedestrians. Yeah, I don't really understand his interpretation of that data either. It does seem like he's getting a little bit a uh, little bit over his skis on some of this stuff. But that's politics to a certain extent, though, right? Like mm. each of these statements that I've talked about, he is couching them. He's saying they're all sort of career politicians. I'm the only candidate with actual business experience. Like each of those things, like they they all leave space for, you know, defining words in a different way. And I don't know. Do you feel like is there any part of you that thinks like, is it fair to give this much scrutiny to an interview of one candidate when there's 16 others? I don't know, Paul. I kind of disagree with you. I think it's one thing to make a broad statement about like, I would like to address transit issues in Denver versus homeless people are causing jaywalking or jaywalking and causing deaths. Like those or the actual versus actual business experience. I don't know. I just I, I think that he's misrepresenting the other candidates. And instead of misrepresenting the other candidates, maybe focus on what you are doing or not doing because people don't know who you are. Yeah. So you're kind of wasting people's time by not sharing with them why you would be a good leader. Well, we will be inviting him to an interview. I would love to ask him about those things because yeah. I, I don't understand why he's running for office if he has a little bit of contempt for some of the folks that he's going to be representing. Um, another note from the mayor's race. Uh, this is some news that explains some something that was a little bit confusing from a few weeks ago. Do you remember the candidate who's like long rumored to be running and then turned out he didn't actually run Representative Alex Valdez? Oh, yeah. Right. I remember that. Well, we got some news from KDVR this week that um, his solar energy company, Ecomark, uh, this is a company he co-owned. And perhaps this is the reason why he didn't end up running at all is that this company shut down. Um, they they have gone out of business. You go to their website, it's just black text on white background saying thanks for thanks for twelve great years. Oh man, well that's kind of a bummer, especially when we're talking about energy prices right now. Yeah, it's it's interesting how how a company like that couldn't find an opportunity in this market. But you know, I don't know. I don't know exactly what the the realities of that work are right now. Okay. It does sound like he, some of those employees are left in the lurch, and some of their customers are left with half finished jobs, which is which is too bad. Um, but we'll post a link to uh, learn more about that in the show notes. Okay, so Bree, there's something that's been happening recently with the Catholic Church that I don't understand at all. I don't know anything about the Catholic Church, especially here in Denver. 
I know that you went to Catholic school. Have you been following the latest with the Catholic Church? I have, Paul. And actually, I was hoping I'm hoping to to explain what's going on here for folks that aren't Catholic to really understand the power structures. So um, Maggie Barton was a teacher at All Souls Catholic School in Inglewood, and she was fired recently after six years there as the K through eight technology and media teacher. She was told by the archdiocese, which is sort of like the local governance of the Catholic schools and Catholic churches here. Okay. They had apparently, quote, discovered a photo of Maggie and her partner on social media. So uh, Maggie is openly out. She was out to her community at school. Her 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 school knew. Um, and I, I, from what I understand, someone took a private photo off of her partner's Instagram and shared that with the diocese. And she got a phone call. Uh, from the archdiocese saying that same-sex attraction is not cause for termination, but that her remaining in a relationship violated the terms of her contract. Huh. How does that make sense? <laughs> it doesn't. It, it really doesn't. They're basically saying, well, you can be gay, but you can't be in a relationship and you can't be publicly out really in any way. And what really struck me about this was in the CPR story, Maggie talked about the diocese calling her and having this really invasive conversation. And I, Paul, I want you to imagine that like the governor's office called you and wanted to grill you about your personal life. Like Terrifying. that's kind of that's how this power s structure is with the diocese. Parents of this of Maggie's students were actually the ones who called attention to this injustice. They're the ones that contacted news outlets and they're the ones that started a GoFundMe to help her. This is the only job she's had since she moved to Colorado. She's in her early 20s. Um, but what really struck me too was this quote from Maggie. She said, I think it's important to kind of get this narrative out there because I know that choosing to work in a Catholic school as a lesbian, as someone within the queer community might not make sense to everybody. But the reason that I did it is because of my faith. To feel my own faith being weaponized against me in this way, to be terminated and to lose this position is heartbreaking. So Maggie's a young Catholic person who's practicing, who goes to mass, who is a is a very active member in the Catholic community. And I have to tell you, Paul, it's very rare that you meet younger folks like this. So I, I just don't understand what the Catholic, what the archdiocese is doing. It's just not in line with it. There, there's this thing that feels a little bit out of step with the diocese and uh, Archbishop Samuel Aquila. He's very conservative, but parishioners really kind of aren't. She's looking for a new job, but she really said she lost her community. She loved her school. She loved her students. And she loved the the whole family that she had there. I mean, do you think there's any chance that she would get her job back? There'd be some compromise here? Like, do you think that the I... archdiocese would be open to that? No, I don't think so. I'm thinking back to this story that um, Elizabeth Hernandez at the Denver Post wrote last year about the archdiocese guidance to Catholic schools saying you can't enroll transgender students and you should be treating gay parents differently. So I feel like they're going to double down and she's unfortunately probably not going to get her job back. some business. There's some business news. We've got two very, very interesting stories. Uh, Paul, do you want to talk about what's going on with VF Corp? Yeah. So we got two stories from Denver Business Journal um, that are kind of indicators of where Denver's at in terms of the economy, I think in different ways. So VF Corp is a company that I love following. Uh, if if you're not familiar, they moved to Denver in 2019. They kind of own a lot of just different brands, like clothing brands. They own Vans, Timberland, Dickies, Jan Sport, the backpacks, 
uh, Smart Wolf, the socks, probably some other stuff too. North Face, uh, that's their big one. Um, and I think that's part of why it was so exciting is because Denver has this like strong outdoor industry. Right. And this company has a lot of those brands that are, are you know, important brands in that world. And uh, this was one, a big story because the state government offered them a huge incentives package, the second largest of all time at the time. Um, so they offered uh, $27 million in state payroll tax credits to VF Corp uh, over eight years if the company could deliver on the promise of bringing 800 jobs to the state. So in the last three years since the company moved here, they have totally turned around. It's a whole different story now. Back in 2019, their stock was trading at nearly $100 a share. Now, under $30 a share. Uh, they fired the CEO that brought them to Denver, Steve Rendell. And back in August of 2022, they laid off 600 people. So those 800 jobs maybe have been canceled out? Well, it's a huge company. I mean, it's a global company. Their headquarters is here, sure, but they have sure. like 35,000 employees or something. So that that layoff was just a tiny percentage of the overall. Oh, okay. Not just in Colorado. Got it. Yeah. And the way the incentives work is it's is it's annual. So it's applied annually based on however many jobs um, the company was was maintaining. So my question is, you got $27 million in payroll tax credits from Colorado. Did we get like a bad deal here? I don't know. I don't know how they evaluate <laughs> deals like this. I think a lot of people would say they are still employing a lot of people. It's still around a thousand people working in this downtown office. These are pretty high paying jobs. That's that's pretty considerable for the impact uh, downtown, you know, at a time when... Um, we're talking about how people aren't going downtown, aren't spending a lot of money down there. So that's people with money that could be spending it um, where they work. So that's something. Um, but yeah, on the other side, $27 million is a lot of money. Did they give any reason for this slump? Because it, I don't know. I, I was just at a Vans outlet yesterday. and Oh, yeah? How was it looking? It was crazy busy. Honestly, they didn't have, as as most retail experiences are, they didn't have enough employees to serve all the people that I think probably would have bought more stuff if there were more people to ring them up. Wow. So, yeah, it was it was bananas busy. I'm always, yeah, these are, these stories are interesting to me because I really look at the frontline operations of retail stories because I worked retail for so long and I see what they're, what folks on in retail stores are going through, they're busy, they're understaffed, they need help. But I don't know. I don't know. There might be some, I think there's some bounce back from that lack of investment in employees over the last two decades that I watched happen um, in retail that they're now kind of paying for. Perhaps. Um, overall, apparently the Vans brand is one of the ones that has slowed in the last few years to contribute to this turnaround for this company. Uh, but the other main factors are China was once a big market and China is still struggling with the pandemic. That's not been as strong as they were hoping. Supply chain issues, of course, have gotten this company as well. The The bright spot seems to be the North Face. I guess that brand is now expanding into like leisure wear and bags uh, as opposed to just like hardcore outdoor athletes. Oh, yeah. So they've, they've been expanding, generating record sales, according to the Business Journal. Yeah, there's this interesting work with licensing happening where all of a sudden you see brands collaborating with other brands in ways that you would have never guessed, you know, 10 years ago. Like you could get a Supreme North Face collaboration. So there's that sort of like interesting hype, hype beast luxury market happening. But also, like you're saying, the head-to-toe apparel from North Face, you could walk into Nordstrom Rack and get head-to-toe North Face if you wanted. Hmm. You know, Supreme, another VF Corp brand. Really? Yeah. It must have been how that collab happened. Wild. 
There you go. Supreme is such a strange brand, but yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now for now for a more like hyper local business story. Yeah, yeah. The other side of things. Um, Duffy Roll. This was another fun story from the Business Journal this week. Duffy Roll's got some big plans cooking. Are you do you want to say what a what Duffy Roll is, Brie? Their their main thing, the main Duffy roll is like a cinnamon roll, but they do these different flavors, pecans, um, like they do an orange swirl. They do these all the all these different types. I would say the the classic Duffy roll is my favorite. Um, but they also sell sandwiches and coffee, and it's kind of like a deli, but it has has this amazing baked good that they're really known for. Yeah, I I, I went there once many years ago when I first moved to Denver. I I wish I remembered the actual cinnamon roll itself better. I guess that, you know, not a great review, not memorable. Um, <laughs> but a lot of people love it because apparently the business has been going gangbusters the last few years. Over the past five, revenue has doubled. And this is a company that it launched in 1986 and has kind of grown very slowly and steadily um, from just a single push cart on the 16th Street Mall to now three locations in the Tech Center, in Platte Park, and on South Broadway. I love Duffy. I love this story. Also, I think uh, we can put a link in the show notes to the Denver Business Journal story that shares a great photo of the Duffy Roll cart on 16th Street Mall from 1986. <laughs> Is it the owner wearing a straw hat, like pushing the cart? I think cart? it's one of the owners, oh, but it's such a good it's picture. Such, it's like the 16th, the 16th Street Mall, you can see the dreams that, that were had for it. It's clean. Mm -hmm. This guy's like having a blast being a merchant there. He doesn't look like bummed and like <laughs> selling cinnamon rolls to oil execs exactly you can bankers you can see where the vision is for what 16th street mall really was at one time or really wanted to be um but also i would just say like i'm a frequenter of the duffy roll in platte park and the thing that i love about it is it's i don't know if they would love this but i love it it's a very 90s coffee shop vibe mm. it, it advertises espresso on the front as if like this was pre when Espresso was everywhere before Starbucks, let's say the pre Starbucks era. The, it's like a coffee shop. It's got like warm wood interior. It's got booths. It has this massive menu. But I just go in there to get Duffy rolls. People are always nice. I love it. It's a, it's a nice coffee shop with some really good cinnamon rolls. Highly recommend. Yeah. Cozy spot. Cozy spot. But what they're planning now for future growth is um, they're working on a wholesale business, I guess. Um, they've already started selling to some local merchants like Lever's, Locavore, and Sunnyside. But I don't know. I mean, it's kind of interesting to imagine this this Denver cinnamon roll product that people might have might know buying it on the 16th Street Mall. But like someday it could be a packaged good, you know, buying it in plastic next to the Entenmann's. Can you imagine that, Brie, a world where Duffy oh, Rolls are on the shelf? Okay, so the other day I was at King Supers and they had a, it was like a dozen fresh baked Krispy Kreme. They like package and, and bring and sell them there. And I immediately bought it. If that was Duffy Roll, I totally would have bought it. 100%. I would buy take home Duffy Roll for sure. It'd be it's a great thing to bring to parties. It's a nice thing for like, I don't know, for holidays. It's just one of those things. Finally, we are gonna talk about a new segment, maybe a recurring segment. We have a new maybe segment. <laughs> we don't know. It's called Paul's Movie Corner. Paul, what is going on in your corner of the movie world today? <laughs> um <laughs> It's so barely a movie thing. It's really more of a sports thing. It's like, um, you know, the Broncos new coach, Sean Payton. Uh-huh. Big splash that we got this guy. They traded for him, I guess, from the Saints last week. Um, 
as we record, I think they are doing an introductory press conference with him. So that that's on Monday. Listeners will hear this in the future. They're going to announce some huge contract. I guess this guy is some super hotshot coach. But I remember when this was first rumored, I went to the Wikipedia page for this guy. And the first line is like, Sean Payton suspended from the NFL for one year for condoning a bounty program. I guess the other coaches on his team, the Saints, were like paying their players extra bonuses if they injured opponents. This is not great. Horrifying. It's already horrifying enough. The NFL in general and what what football does to people's bodies and brains, but intentionally doing it. Oof. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's what I knew about this guy until a couple days ago when I learned about this movie that came out last year. I thought maybe we could watch the trailer together. All right, I'm ready for Paul's Movie Corner about Sean Payton. The Saints win the Super Bowl! Hey, Coach. Mr. Goodall is on the phone? Roger Goodall's on the phone. The commissioner. He didn't say what his job was. Coach Payton has been suspended for a full year. Sean, what are you doing here? Just came to watch my son play football. Played a great game out there. He lost zero to 40. Can't help it if all your teammates are horrible. He was, he was good too. A couple of good guys. We're the worst team in the league. They need some motivation. You're seriously ordering a pizza right now? Oh yeah, one stuffed crust. What kind of question is that? This is pretty long. I think you get the gist. Okay, so honestly, in the world that we live in right now with AI, I, for two seconds at the beginning of this, thought this was a parody and they had just like a, it was like a deep fake video with Kevin James playing Sean Payton and Taylor Lautner of Twilight fame playing a coach of some kind. This is real? It is. It is very real. It is very real. This is on Netflix right now. It came out last year. Didn't really make a blip in my world, but this is like a full-on Hollywood movie where Kevin James plays this coach, the new coach of the Broncos, in this like redemptive arc where he coaches his son's peewee football team and learns to be a better man. Oh, man. It's about the year he was suspended from the NFL. This makes me... This is like the dystopian future stuff that bums me out. Like... Imagine if you were one of the people who were injured by his players that had the bounty going on and you had to see them make this redemptive arc story about the guy who was in charge of the team that was intentionally injuring other players. Like, no. Thank you, Paul. This makes me strongly dislike this coach more than I ever could have imagined. Isn't it just bizarre, though? that Like, it's never before have, have I had a question about someone and then had it answered so comprehensively and thoroughly and like totally tangentially than with an entire like hour and a half long <laughs> kids sports <laughs> movie. Um, there's a Metacritic rating on this, right? Yeah, I don't think people uh, liked it very much. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if, if listeners want to hear it, we could we could probably watch this. We might we could get a, like a movie club together. Maybe we could all watch this oh, together God, and then talk Paul. about it. Uh, Metacritic, yeah, the average rating is a 23 out of 100, so bad, bad reviews. But, yeah, I mean, we could do it. We could watch it. We could probably get some football experts and movie experts, and, you know, I'm sure there's things to glean about Sean Payton and, like, how the Broncos will do next year from this thing. I mean, we're 
case scenario. We just have a fun time laughing at a bad movie. Um, so yeah, listeners, if you want to hear that, give us a call, leave us a voicemail with your name and neighborhood. Um, our phone number is 720-500-5418. Again, that number is 720-500-5418. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell Duffy Roll CEO Nick Alt about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See ya.